Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 108 in Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you. The Oilers uh, getting in last night late after uh, three straight losses. Not a great uh, performance in uh, Florida. After an 8-4-1 start, Edmonton's dropped 8-7-1. The top three scores in the NHL in town Sunday night. That's when Edmonton returns to action. Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Connor McDavid, of course, leading the charge uh, with the Oilers. And that's uh, a segue into our next piece because our next guest, uh, who has got a book out, uh, former Edmonton Oilers netminer Curtis Joseph. His book is Cujo, The Untold Story of My Life on and Off the Ice. He's got some history with Connor McDavid. We're going to get to uh, Curtis right away here. We'll tell you that the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Ched. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. Uh, you can text us on our Heartland Ford text line. Brought to you by our friends at Heartland Ford. 10, th- uh, 10 million, 10 million in new and pre-owned inventory in stock at uh, Heartland Ford. They're one of the largest Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. Well, in the late 1990s, uh, I was working behind the scenes on uh, with visiting NHL feeds, um, television-wise, but one of the guys that I, I really appreciated, it, you know, he's just a terrific guy in terms of how he played, and of course he stole a couple playoff series for the Oilers, but it was also, he was from the school, Grant Fear was this way, and so too is Cam Talbot, never showed up his teammates. Uh, and as a lazy forward who never back-checked, I had an appreciation for goaltenders that never gave anybody the stink eye. So without further ado, we are pleased to be joined on the line by Curtis Joseph. Curtis, it's Bob, how are you doing? Good, Bob, how are you? Good. Thank you for taking time to join us. Uh, and on that note... Uh, a goaltender is a teammate, and the way he conducts himself after he gives up a goal, regardless of whose fault who it is in the ice, because usually there's two or three mistakes that lead to every goal, that speaks a lot about his character, doesn't it? Yeah, that's for sure. You'd never want to show up a teammate. Uh, you'd talk to him in private, you know, to see what happened there, or, you know, do you want me to take another guy, you know, and you just get maybe a guy talking, because it's so important for you and the D to be on the same page, so... There's no sense of showing up a guy. That it's better just to talk to him and, and get a plan together. Curtis, when you were with the Oilers and Rod Morley were doing the games, and I did the last couple of years with Rod, and then I'm in you know, year 11 now doing color for the team, but what I remember is you were really even-keeled, and goaltenders had a reputation uh, for, you know, some guys were pretty eccentric. I remember Gilles Graton was, he thought he'd been reincarnated like four times. <laughs> and uh, Some of the goalies I played with, with the Southside Athletic club you know they they were a little bit different cats and here's where i'm going with this you've got this uh, autobiography out it's called cujo the untold story of my life on and off the ice and there's some surprising details on this for a guy that was seen you were seen as being a really good teammate and really even killed but you went through some tough personal battles when you were younger and i don't think people were aware of that so maybe you could just shed some insight on that yeah, it was, um, I was uh, not officially adopted. I guess that's uh, the foster parents, but uh, it, uh, food and love is something that I lacked for sure. And um, 
I open the book, you know, at the beginning. It's really in two stages, part of the how I grew up. And then the second part is, uh, is about the hockey part and the different teams and, and stories that we had. But certainly um, I wanted to share that just because not everybody has the, the best environment. And uh, you can go one of two ways. You can be a victim or you can be victorious. And I was always kind of a glass half full kind of guy, even as a, as a young child. And, um, you know, really, I would do uh, some keynote speeches uh, to junior teams and the parents and uh, when I was retired and you know, the feedback was tremendous. People would come up to me and go, I'm adopted too. Or they'd say, you know, I became a goalie because of you. Or, you know, they'd say, wow, that's such an interesting childhood. I didn't know that about you. You should, you should write a book. So I'd hear that enough times that, you know, uh, it, it was time to, to share that I was comfortable enough with my past, which I was embarrassed of as a child, um, to write a book and, and help some people. So, uh, and just to, to, to take it one step further here, because you do yeah. discuss this in the book, I mean, there were some hard miles there in terms of uh, living environment, um, you know, what you slept on, uh, the sort of, you know, animals around the house and the freelancing that they had and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, it was a home for special care, but it really was the 20 mental patients that nobody came to visit. Uh, these were forgotten people and, and uh, really tremendous mental challenges that uh, some of them were dangerous and you had knew which ones were and you just kept your distance. And uh, My room was over on their side too, so I had a lock on my door on the inside that you'd never not wow. lock. Yep. And, uh, um, and as far as the cats too, you had to put something on your bed because uh, you'd come back and it was a litter box for sure. So a uh, mattress on the floor was pretty easy target for them. But... Um, Certainly, it made me a stronger person. I, I don't want anybody to feel sorry reading those that, those first chapters, but uh, it really made me who I was. I wouldn't change it for the world. I felt like I became resilient. I became uh, um, tougher and stronger and always wanting more. Um, I'm a dreamer by nature, and, uh, you know, I'd always dream of where my parents came from. I was always a good athlete, so I felt like, you know, they were athletes or something. You know, as a kid, you're always dreaming, and as an adult, I was always dreaming, so... Uh, and I always wanted something better. And hockey gave me that. It gave me family. It gave me other parents. It gave me other uh, guys to hang out with that I love. So really, hockey was my escape and it was my family. Curtis Joseph, the book, Cujo, the untold story of my life on and off the ice. Was there somebody that championed you to champion sort of this cause or to discuss this? Because usually you need a support network in place to push you and guide you with this. Yeah, it really was my wife, Stephanie, who met, uh, we met uh, 11 years ago. And she, um, you know, she wanted to know all about me. And, and certainly it, I would tell her about my childhood. And she'd be like, I love that story. It's such a great story. You need to tell people you need to write a book. Well, she's been telling me that for 11 years. And uh, I never really... At first, you know, you're like, ah, everybody's got a story, and, and, uh, um, and, you know, some are better than others, some are different than others, but, you know, why would anybody want to read my story? So over the years, um, and also I didn't know which author would do it or, or how somebody would help uh, give life to my story. And so we met Kirsty Day at uh, Wayne Gretzky's Fantasy Camp, and I went to bed. I was tired in, in Vegas, and, and my wife stayed up, which is usually the opposite of what normally right. happens. Yep. And she... Uh, She's, she talked to Kirsty for probably four hours, and, and uh, what a what? And she goes. She came back to me. She goes, "Okay, we're ready to write the book. <laughs> I found your author." I'm like, "All right, Steph." Anyway, we uh, 
she was the right person. She's amazing. It was it was great collaborating with her for a whole year and um, to get the stories out uh, was amazing. And, and uh, so far, the feedback on the tour, the book tour we've had, is has been tremendous. So. Uh, so glad my wife pushed me. Uh, the best man at my wedding played at uh, at Ethel, uh, you know, played uh, played out there in Saskatchewan, uh, John Sexsmith, and uh, yeah. he, was, he was a local uh, sports personality in town here with Global Television. And uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, you had that experience at Notre Dame, and I'm just, I mean, I don't know how much you went into it in the book, but there's there's some spectacular guys that have gone through there. But the one thing that John sort of always uh, reiterated with me was just the structure and the support that they had for the young guys going through that program. Yeah, I didn't get the full effect, unfortunately, but I heard all the stories. I went there with a 20-year-old, an overage, playing junior hockey yeah. to, uh, in the SJHL. About six of us lived in a trailer. <laughs> and I thought it was the greatest thing. And honestly, the, they told me later that the uh, the roof blew off the tra- trailer the next year. So anyway, it was great. Uh, those guys are still great friends. I saw two of them last night um, in Calgary and uh, still friends to this day. We had an amazing team. Rod Brindamore was the epitome of what Notre Dame was about. The guy worked hard uh, in, in the classroom and on the ice. And uh, really, I always, when I see Roddy, I always go, thank you, Roddy. And he always liked that because... Roddy Brindamore was on that team, and we all got scholarships because everybody had to come see Rod Brindamore because he was going in the first round, top ten pick right. in uh, in the NHL from Tier 2 hockey, and every college had to come out to Wilcox, every NHL to come see this guy, and we all benefited, and uh, I got, ended up getting a scholarship to uh, Wisconsin because, because of Roddy, I always say. Number one party school in the U.S., Curtis Joseph on his book, Cujo, The Untold Story of My Life, on and on, off the ice. All right, a couple stories just pertaining to uh, uh, one to Edmonton and then one with the officials. Uh, you know, you, you, you beat Patrick Waugh head-to-head. For me, uh, that will always be one of the immense storylines back in 1998. I mean, Patrick Waugh was a great goalie, but he was a very confident and remains to this day a very confident man. Uh, and I know that Ron Lowe has spoken about this before. You were just, you were in the zone, man, weren't you? Yeah, no, you, you, um, you're not playing against the other goalie, but when you look down there and there's a Hall of Famer at the other end, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, I mean, you want to beat him. You want to, it's a benchmark. Uh, and that's how you should feel all the time. This, uh, um, when you win a series against a player like that, you've you've done a good job. Uh, obviously, it's a team game, but this certainly, you know, you you it's a feather in your team's cap when you beat a Hall of Famer. But uh, yes, that uh, you know they had such great talent: Joe Sackett, Peter Forsberg, uh, Valerie Kamensky. These guys were tremendous hockey players. They had great four great lines, and we just played great hockey and we were relentless. And uh, we ended up knocking them off. Yeah, it was it was a it was an amazing accomplishment. A funnier story. What the heck happened with you when you slid into the referee after you thought you'd been? I think you thought you'd been interfered with. And can you recall that story? Oh yeah, no, it's still it's in top ten meltdowns every once in a while on TV. And, and my kids, you know, now they're in their twenties. They're like they'll they'll see it and they'll look over at me and they'll go, Dad. You're embarrassing the family. <laughs> They'll just give it to me. But uh, Mick Magoo was somebody that would never listen to anything I said. He'd always put his hand up um, and don't like don't talk to me. So I I really hated that. And he, you know all the other referees, Terry Fraser and 
uh, you name it. They go, Kujo, calm down. Did I miss something? And then you talk to them, and they go, I'll get the next one, which is the exact right way to do it, you know. But uh, anyway, you've never listened to me. And then I felt like I was interfered with. I felt like I didn't play well. I felt like we lacked energy. So, you know, I would never call anybody out. But when you show raw emotion like that, um, I think it has an effect on your team. You're in a leadership position. And uh, we ended up winning the next two games. So, But I did go over and I, I lost an edge on my uh, outside edge on my right foot. And I slid into him. Um, I got the, the call from the league, uh, you know, saying they should suspend me, but uh, they ended up not. I told them exactly what happened. And um, so it was uh, it was one of the funnier moments. But the, the big picture was we won the next two games and put Ottawa out. Yeah, well, uh, for what, and that happened a lot back in those days as well. Curtis Joseph joining us. The book, uh, Cujo, The Untold Story of My Life on and Off the Ice. Now, you have a signing in Edmonton today, is that correct? Or just outside of Edmonton today? Actually, two tomorrow at uh, two different Costco's, one oh. in the morning and one in the afternoon. All right, we'll tweet out a link to that a little bit later on in the show, Curtis. Uh, you mentioned your, uh, your, 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 your sons. Now, if, if I recall correctly... Uh, did, did they not play or uh, grow up uh, with Connor McDavid? So in my middle boy, Tristan, played with Connor uh, at York Simcoe Express. And, uh, you know, I watched Connor for a long time, and I'd stand with his dad and, and tell his dad, uh, you know, your son is an unbelievable player. He gets me out of the edge of my seat every time he gets the puck. It's, every time he touches the puck, you know, it's triple-A hockey. And he was a January birthday of uh, 97 playing with the 96s. Yeah. So he was the youngest player. And he would just, I mean, he'd get a hat trick a game. And, and every time he touched the puck, he was in a whisper of getting a breakaway. And just electrifying. So it was fun to watch. I had a rink in the, in the I had a riding arena at the farm. Right. And uh, I built a rink in there so all the kids could come over on the weekends and get free ice time and just be creative and do uh, funny things. So when I see Connor, I go, hey, Connor, make sure you tell everybody that you learned how to play in my... You know, you learn how to do that in in, uh, in my barn, and he just laughs, and his dad laughs. He was a special player. I think maybe if I put on the, I think I put the equipment on a few times, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd stop him up until about seven years old. I think after seven years old, he could score on me. And I was uh, playing in the NHL at that time. I just remember Derek Roy came to the Oilers, and he was you know a pretty good player before he sort of got grounded right. down a bit because he had a lack of foot speed. And I asked him, I go, so you skated with McDavid last summer, and he was playing for Erie at the time. This is before the Oilers had ever won the lottery. And I said, right. well, you know, how do you think you do? And he goes, oh, he'd be a 70-point scorer. And I go, you mean next year as a rookie? He goes, no, right now he'd be a 70-point score. What are we, 55 <laughs> games in a year? And so I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you know. So Chris Knobloch coached him in Erie as well. He's a longtime friend of mine from the U of A. Curtis, uh, you, you do have another brush with greatness. I don't know if you addressed it in the book, but were you not friends with the guys from the Bare Naked Ladies? Oh, yeah. My uh, my buddy Tyler, we went to high school together. He's the drummer for the Bare Naked Ladies. So he was uh, – uh, a good athlete and uh, and, uh, and great at uh, drumming. So music and athletics combined. It's very funny. One of the most funny human beings I know. So I gravitated towards him, and we've seen each other uh, succeed over the years about the same time in parallel. So uh, we've been friends ever since. And uh, uh, he was a you know a great Leaf fan. So he would be at every game in the playoffs, and he's got some funny stories in the book about his travels. Uh, uh, to our playoff games and different things. He's a very, very funny man. Yeah, great band. Uh, Curtis, 
Thank you for taking time to join us here in Oilers Now. Good luck with your two signings tomorrow, and we look forward to touching base with you down the road. Great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That is Curtis Joseph. The book, again, is Cujo, The Untold Story of My Life on and Off the Ice. And with all due respect, you knew I was going to come in and do the show coming on three straight losses when you land at 4.30 in the morning. But our guests today were the major reason why I wanted to come in because he was just, I just remember how well he treated everybody when he played in Edmonton. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty... I'll be honest. I'm gonna have to work my way through it, but it's uh, in terms of, in terms of the book to to get a full uh, grasp of everything. Uh, we, we've had a busy start to the season, but uh, the guy when he was he, he was he was top five goaltender in the league for about what 12, 15 years. Pretty good goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers in the late 1990s, and unfortunately the fact that we didn't have a salary cap at that stage put Edmonton. In, here's the irony of the situation today. They would have never lost him. That's how much things have changed since the 0405 lockout. Think about it. I mean, you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. A reminder, sign for McDavid's case the next eight years, Leon for the next seven years. Right? You're not losing those players. But when Cujo was on the team, that was a big loss for the hockey club at that time. It took him a while to recover. It's 124 in Edmonton. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line. Uh, don't buy a new or pre-owned Ford without giving Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan a chance. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Take a quick time out. Get back to you with NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. All right, uh, just a quick couple texts, Heartland Ford text line. Wow, Cujo's demeanor and pleasant personality. You'd never believe he'd grown up uh, and gone through what he went through. Uh, terrific interview. Cujo is the best. Uh, this one from Blaine, from uh, Parts Unnamed for right now. As a former goaltender, I could not get enough of watching Cujo play. Can't wait to read his new book and uh, Mike from Calgary Mick Magoo ugh thanks for being reminded there Cujo so there you go alright uh, you got a minute Brendan make it count it is NHL Today brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing more than just sportswear just two Canadian teams in action tonight Toronto hosting Taylor Hall and the New Jersey Devils and Winnipeg entertaining Colorado veteran forward Thomas uh, Placanitz announced his retirement from the league this morning after he agreed to an unconditional release with the Montreal Canadiens 36 years old is only suited up for three games this year. The team also losing forward Joel Armia for six to eight weeks to a knee injury, and that injury bug bit the Washington Capitals too. They placed Brooks Orpik on the long-term injury reserve with a lower body injury. John Carlson is listed as day-to-day with the same ailment. And in Dallas, John Klingberg will miss three weeks with an upper body injury. Bruins granted goaltender Tuka Rask a leave of absence to deal with a personal matter. They say he'll be gone at least a few days. Bakersfield Condors trying for a repeat performance against the Iowa Wild on the road tomorrow. They're coming off that 5-4 overtime victory. Edmonton Oil Kings made a trade today, getting a defenseman uh, out of Regina. Uh, his name escapes me. Caleb uh, Caleb something or other. Gavlis. Gavlis. Caleb Gavlis. That's right. So shoring up there the was, defensive There depth. was a Brian Gavlis that uh, used to be a uh, volleyball coach in the University of Saskatchewan. I'm pretty sure the kid's from uh, Saskatoon, so maybe, maybe a relative. 
Yeah, uh, confirmed there. Uh, they do play in uh, Cranbrook tonight against Kootenay for what feels like about the ninth time this season. And then Medicine Hat tomorrow. They've got Lethbridge on Monday. U of A Golden Bears coming off that long layoff. Host of Regina Cougars at the Claire Drake. 7 p.m. tonight and tomorrow night. Should be well rested. Bob. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And then when we come back, Gabe Polsky, filmmaker in search of greatness. Coming up on Orders Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.